Hello, welcome to the Marriage Underdogs Radio Show. I'm your host, Chris A. Matthews. And once again, I have another phenomenal guest. And yes, you guessed right. It is a licensed marriage and family therapist. I have Leon Matthews, our brother from another mother. No, we have the same <laughs> last name. Um, Leon and I met uh, actually several years ago. We went through the same program, yep. same master's program. Um, Leon, so glad that you're here. So glad that you're here. Well, Chris, I am so excited to be here, man. I tell you, I was um, so excited after we had a conversation and we were able to kind of talk about how to expand the conversation greater. And so I'm just happy to be here. So thank you for this venue. Thank you for this opportunity. And uh, hey, man, just hit me with your best shot. <laughs> Absolutely, man. We're about to get down into it. So I always start, especially with my Black males that are licensed marriage and family therapists. What got you into this field? Because we represent a small margin or portion of marriage and family therapists and clinicians in general. So I always like to start with that question. Wow, that's a that's absolutely a great question, Chris. Um, I would say that this career kind of chose me a little bit um, rather than me choosing it. Um, over over my lifetime, you know, I've I've been blessed to be able to be in um, lots of different jobs and lots of different organizations, and, and in doing so, it has um, it has given me what would you be considered a soft ear mm. to be able to listen to people, which is a which is a skill and a talent to be able to just listen to people. Um, I had the opportunity to spend over twenty years in uh, talent management, or as some people call it human resources. And, uh, and in doing so, it allowed me the opportunity to be, uh, to, to work with employees and their families, especially from an employee relations standpoint. Mm -hmm. And uh, those were great times for me to, uh, to really listen to some of the things that employees were dealing with and, and what they were uh, coming to work with and some of the challenges that they were facing at home. And so it allowed me an opportunity just to really learn from them and um, and so um, as I, as I kind of went through that in my career, in that career, um, I started really thinking back to um, now, you know, how we Gen Zers, Gen, excuse me, Gen Xers, we're thinking, <laughs> you know, what is it that we can do uh, next to help the greater uh, population, or, or, or just kind of help in a way that you never helped before, and so. Um, uh, about nine years ago, I started this journey uh, in terms of becoming and being a licensed marriage and family therapist. And so um, it was able, I was able to culminate a lot of the skills and abilities that I had before in terms of uh, being a nationally certified mediator, um, quite a few years in talent management and uh, specializing in employee relations. And then just being a person who had a soft ear, a person who could, um, just kind of see the good in individuals, uh, think from a strength-based perspective, um, and then just kind of let this kind of career just wash over me. And, and, and sometimes, you know, you can go to school or go to college, if you will, and, and have a major. And um, like I did, <laughs> my major was transportation logistics, majoring in, uh, <laughs> majoring in uh, business and economics. And so, uh, I just think about that. And then you take that and you work in HR uh, or talent management for over 20 years. And so that so that kind of tells you, you know, that sometimes things choose you after the, rather than you choosing them. 
And so I think that's and when you think about human resources, I've been told and you know, I have a, a master's in leadership of concentration in HR as well. So I know we connected on that vibe. Yes. HR essentially a lot of times works depending on what role you're in as the, the, the therapist for the company, essentially, right? Like you're, you're, you're navigating and mitigating conflict and the difference is that the loyalty is to the organization, but at the same time, you're still hoping and soliciting win-win situations for the employee and the employer as well. When, when, when you can, right? Like yeah. oh, win -win for the corporate people out there at the end of the day, um, it depends on the culture of the organization, but yes. I brought that up because I'm sure in your line of work in HR and especially in what we do as marriage counselors, conflict. And I, I really want this episode, this time that we have together, to focus on arguments and fights. Okay. So let's start with fights. Okay, good. Help, help the couples listening to understand What's the difference between an argument and a fight? Because couples use those words interchangeably, but there are some stark differences <laughs> between the two, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So start, I, which way you want to start? Arguments or fight? Let's start with let's let's start with the with an argument. Okay. Um, an okay. argument is is kind of if you want to look at a, a a ladder rung, if you will. Uh, an argument is going to be a little bit lower on the ladder on the rung than than an actual fight. Uh, an argument. It really stems from conflict, uh, internal conflict and external conflict, as well as just simple disagreement. Right. And disagreement can happen uh, about going to get ice cream, <laughs> you know, yeah. versus cake, you know. So that's a disagreement. But it's how the individuals handle the, dis the disagreement and what it turns into from the disagreement. So you have you so so if you set it up in that respect, you have a disagreement. And then you have two individuals who really take the disagreement to a level that it maybe shouldn't go, and it becomes an argument. Mm -hmm. And so, so when you're so when you're looking at that, you're you're looking at um, communication styles uh, between the two individuals. You're looking at stressors and mm -hmm. and as well as triggers. You know, because someone might have a trigger that says, you know, that they say if someone disagrees with me firmly. Or gives pushback, then that's a trigger for me. Right. And uh, that's and, where and defensiveness I, comes in. Yes, there yeah. it is. The defensiveness and, comes in. Yeah, and I it, like what you were describing. You said that arguments tend to start off as a mild disagreement, but then they or 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 a conflict that goes into an argument transitions into somewhere it may not need to be. Mm -hmm. But within the argument. Are you still able to sustain respect? I'm sure that temperatures could be heightened and emotions could be aroused, but can you still sustain respect in argument? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. What, what would that look like? Yeah, because one, one of the things that I do uh, in, in my practice is that I, I make sure that people feel comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right. Okay, so catch that. I want you to feel comfortable being uncomfortable because you know what? You're not going to agree all the time. Just not going to happen. Um, but you also have to disagree in a respectful way that you can continue, that you can keep the conversation and the, the lines of communication open. And that you can also build off of it as opposed to it, it, the argument or the disagreement turns into something 
so detrimental that you can't come back from it or you can't build from it. And that I think would be like name what, calling and things. Yes. Like that. Once you, you know it, man. Yeah, the name that because those things you can't get back. Right. You know, you know, they're literally like uh, um they're li literally like firing a weapon, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh once it's out, once it's gone, it's gone. But um, but if you if you say something to your to your partner that you can't get back, you may apologize for it for 50 times, but they still remember it because guess what? You said it. And so they are thinking they still have this thought that is it's something deep rooted in your heart that you even brought it up or even it even uttered it. And so it's it's kind of that how dare you even utter that to me, knowing that I am this person in your life. And so it's hard to get past that uh, sometimes with couples, uh, certainly with with an individual who has been the individual who has been uh, the words have been spoken to. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I, I, I see I, I see it in my practice where I, I, I tell folks, you know, this is a arguing, uh, having disagreements is a good thing. It's OK to have a disagreement. But because, when they turn into a fight, right, when they. Yes, turn, let's get there. It feels like at this point the disagreement now is designed to host a winner and a loser. Because when we think about a fight or a boxing match, you have a winner and you have a loser. And essentially when couples truly fight and it gets bad, they're, they're no winners. You yes. Because, I, and talk yeah. about that. Why, why, why when a fight occurs with couples, there's really not a winner? Uh, inherently, you you just said it. Inherently, it's a fight. Um, okay, so I give you a good a good fight analogy. Uh, I I grew up in the era of Mike Tyson. Mm -hmm. I, I I was a big fan of the pugilistic sport, and so when Mike Tyson would come to the ring, he would come ready to fight. Okay, so couples come to the ring sometimes ready to fight, mm -hmm. and when they get into the ring to fight. Everybody gets a blow. Everybody's going to get a hit. And so that's why both people are injured. And they're sometimes they're not just physically injured because um, unfortunately things can become a domestic uh, and violence and or internal uh, intimate violence type of situation, but they can be they, they emotionally injured. They are um, they are respectfully injured um, by this fight because this fight is out of control. And they can't bring it back and they can't get back to uh, what we would consider homeostasis. We can't they can't get back to that to that that, that playing field where they are where they were good, if you will. And so um, and so when you're looking at when you're looking at the design of a fight, the design of a fight is that both parties are going to put up a good fight. And so it's. Um, you often hear the term fighting fair, and I've used it myself about fighting fair. Uh, um, but I often, but it, but I couple that with when it when it comes to fighting fair, you have to leave the individual with respect, with dignity, with a thought that I am not I'm not ending the relationship because of this fight. I'm not abandoning you. I'm not giving. I'm not putting that fear in you that the relationship is over. I just, we just simply fought and now we have to figure out where do we go from here since we had this fight. And I think that is, that is a, just a, that's a big thing to keep in mind. You know, something that you made me think of when you look at, 
professional boxing match, mm -hmm. the fighters have gloves. The gloves are designed to reduce some damage that could come by way of an open fist. Mm -hmm. They're also designed to reduce the damage of the fighter, right? Like you're less likely, I would, you know, I'm not a boxer, so do it interject if this is not right, but I would mm -hmm. assume you're less likely to break your hand with a boxing glove than without a boxing glove. Absolutely. Okay. Um, you're also going to be able to cause some severe damage with a boxing glove, but it's going to take a couple more hits with the boxing glove than without the boxing glove, right? <laughs> so, so the glove is there for some added layer of protection, even though it's still going to be a conflict, right? Yes, yes. And, so, and you can so, consider so it a bit of a like, barrier. Yeah, barrier. So, so fighting fair, then, what, what you were talking about, Let's create a space where when we have a fight, we can both walk away. And you mentioned walk away with dignity, walk mm -hmm. away with respect. What are some other things that couples that are listening can hear, which are important to walk away from the fight with? So what do you need to walk away with? What do you need to walk away from the fight with? And okay. what are you seeing um, couples not do when they fight? What uh, first? Let's 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 bite this. Bite off this. So walk away with. You want to? We talked about walking away with some with dignity and with respect and things like that. I want you also want the end of you want to walk away with your own individual reflection in in place. And so, uh, with every fight, if you will, since we're using the term fight, there's um there's an opportunity for you to do two things to either grow or to fall back in your, uh, uh, grow forward or to fall back in your growth. Because think about it, fights are hurtful and words really do hurt. And words can really, can really take a relationship that was either on the brink of something great or on the brink of something bad and take it to the, take it to the worst degree, or it can take it to, or it can go and take it forward. But either way, you know, that individual reflection is, has to be there where I can say to myself, okay, we had this argument we that turned into a fight. Mm -hmm. um, and this fight, in this fight, she made some good points. And I was wrong. So I'm over here now thinking that, okay, good. I, I won the argument, but I really lost. Because now I got to go back and say, babe, you know, mm, let, let me apologize for, for earlier because you made a good point. I was wrong. Or I, maybe if, even if you wasn't wrong, you know, you still can, you still can get that individual reflection out of it. Right. And then, and then the other part to that is we're always working on strengths and resilience. You know, we're, we're, we're built to work on our strengths and our resilience as we move through life. Um, you know, uh, you know, things that don't really, um, don't necessarily tear us down can help build us up mm. and so so as you're working on these strengths and these resiliencies resilient pieces um just know that a fight in and of itself is born of something and so the resilient piece and the and the strength is go back to your relationship and really start to look at it and say okay what got us to this point here because this was ugly I mean, this this was not reflective of who Some, we are. It's something deeper, and, and that's important yes. as well because 
I, I mean, just to, what I'm hearing you say is, and I agree, arguments can transition into fights. When we do have a fight, being able to walk with dignity, respect, but a better understanding mm -hmm. than before the fight occurred. So an opportunity to learn and grow from the fight. And we want partners. The other part of that question was, what What are you seeing partners not walk away with? And I, I've seen partners sometimes they they don't don't they don't walk away with the relationship intact. And you mentioned, mm -hmm. right? Yes, I, I want yeah. I want to segue off of fights and arguments. Yes, sir. yes sir. And let's transition to the family of origin piece, right? Okay. So you were mentioning just now that it's stuff underneath. Mm -hmm. So how do our family of origins or even relationship histories impact our conflict styles? Talk about that for a second. Oh, wow. I mean, that's that's absolutely big. That's one of the major things that I do uh, in my first sessions with clients, uh, with, with couples, is I talk with them specifically about families or their family of origin. Mm -hmm. um, because it plays such a major role. Uh, when you when you talk about how you how you react and respond to someone, uh, um, and how you and how you deliver a message, mm -hmm. and your communication style, even to attachment styles, all those things are very reflective of how you were how you were raised. Um, nature versus nurture plays a role in that as well. But it, it they all play a role in it. It, it. Your family origin plays a huge role in it. Um, how your how your um, how you are um, dealt with as a child, and the culture upon which that you came up in, as well as as you know how you were socialized uh, as a young person, um, will also show itself in your adulthood, young adulthood, and your adulthood, because it's what you know. It's what you were, it's what you learned. It's a learned behavior. And so um, I, uh, I often ask couples, how were you, how were you raised? Or what did you see growing up? And they'll, and they'll reflect upon, hey, my mom and my dad uh, would argue and then they would go their separate ways for two or three days. Mm. So, so you argue with your partner, your spouse, and you go your way for two or three days. Hmm, guess where you got that from? Right, you got that from watching the parents. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's helpful. Now, I want to ask you this: from a, it, it was transitioning out into yeah. a list of specific solutions you find that couples can immediately implement. So, if you're listening, and or if someone's out there who has had a lot of conflict, arguments, fights with their partners, I, I'm a firm believer that counseling works. Right. But mm -hmm. prior to getting into counseling or if a couple is not ready for therapy, but they want to engage in some type of, you know, mediation or mitigation of the conflict, what can they do? What is, what about two or three things couples can do at this point? Let's see. Well, I, I would say first and foremost, um, they need to choose each other mm. rather, rather than anyone else and rather than anything else. That's that's first and foremost. You want to choose one another, and that really speaks for itself. Um, you know, you can get caught up in work. You can get caught up in uh, children's activities, children activities. You can get caught up with friends and family and Facebook and social media and all these different things. But you need to choose one another. 
But don't and, don't quit engaging because it's hard, right? And a lot of times absolutely. when couples are engaging in conflict, they retreat because it's easier to just be away from each other than it is to keep engaging and it be a fight or argument that yeah. potentially can ensue. Yeah, it's a, it's that whole idea and concept of, I just want to keep the peace. Mm, so, so turn toward the, not away. Exactly. There you go. Okay. And I'm and I'm and I'm turning and I'm turning that on his head and saying, yeah, you can keep peace, but you need to turn towards each other while doing so. Mm. I often um, say to say to couples, whenever you are mad, either one of you all, never leave your house. I know, sounds weird, but I say don't never leave your house. Let me tell you why. I say that because if you're gonna choose that person more than anybody you've already chosen them you went went to the altar or you went to justice a piece or however you got married however your union began um you but but now when you have an argument that that person sees that as running away on the other side of this and so that that fear of abandonment and abandonment starts to set in and that is a hard that is a hard rock to break uh certainly as a therapist if you ever had to deal with that, Chris, you would know that. That is that's a hard rock to break, man, into a yeah. small rock. And then yeah. no, I was saying, that that yeah. when when times got tough and it was hard, you told me you you're not gonna sit here and be with me. You're that's not gonna be up for the journey. I, I can't it's, trust summer, you. it's 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 like the, the ceiling has now began to wither and there's a hole and the security can see through. Yes. And, and now I can't trust the relationship. Mm. And so that sets in another fear, if you will. Uh, another point that I would offer up to them is uh, in, in that same, along that same line is to make your relationship a, a priority. Mm. How so about intentionality? That? Intentionality. Yeah. It's um, everything, everything that you, that you plant seed and water grows essentially. And so your marriage is a plant, seed, and water opportunity. Uh, you're going to always plant seed and water. In it. You're watering it all the time. And so it, so you want it to grow. So you have to make it a priority. And then I would say another thing that you will need to do along, along those lines is also make this shift. And this shift in your marriage and that shift is to make the, make the shift from one person holding the marriage to both people taking responsibility for the marriage. Hmm. And I say that because if you think if you if you're moving in a in a marriage and you're trying your very best to keep it together, then you're keeping it together of your own doing, and you need two parties that want it to, that want the same thing in order for it to to survive, for it to flourish, and for it to literally literally to survive. To be quite honest, definitely. And um, and so I and then I guess I can throw one more out there, and that is that that would be. Um, to understand that relationships change. How about that? Right, yes. Yeah, oh my gosh, they change. And you have to be able to pivot with the relationship as it changes. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're going to have the introduction. You may have the introduction of children, a new house, a new career, a new car, a new home, um, parents uh, um, um, getting older. You might have to take care of them. They might have to come into your house. You might have to live with them. You might have to uh, they may they may pass away. There, there's a, a myriad of things that could happen in a relationship that changes it. And so, as you sit it's there, like a little mini, it's it's like a lot of little mini marriages into one big marriage. 
It is. I like that. That's a very good, very good analogy there. So as you sit there on the day of your marriage, the day of your wedding, excuse me, um, you find you'll find that you know all that you see before you is is these is this one person in front of you, but there's so much behind both individuals on that particular day that you re really haven't thought about, and so um, and so we so but, but that, and, and just the, that's the point though, right? Like a lot of men and women, for that matter, just couples in general, will say, "Well, I want a long courtship because I, I want to really know who I'm marrying." Mm -hmm. Well. There should be a baseline. I'm not saying you don't want a courtship phase, but the courtship phase is only going to be so long because at some point you get to a time within the relationship where if we embrace the fact they're always changing, then you could date the person forever. <laughs> it's really called the marriage because within the marriage, they're changing. Within the courtship phase, they could be changing. So you're really looking for core functions, right? Like I think in my own marriage, my wife, one of her core functions is that she she's a believer in God. She she's a Christian. So her mm -hmm. core function will be her love for Jesus Christ, right? Like that won't go away. That's a core gotcha. function. Mm -hmm. Another core function. She she's a natural nurturer. So despite what she's going through, she's going to always be nurturing. That's a core function. Yeah. So I think that we 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 look beyond core functions, but that's what the marriage is about. You you gave that beautiful metaphor of how when you get married, there there's so much behind those two people. Mm -hmm. Part of the marriage, or really the entire journey of the marriage, is learning everything behind that person because it takes a lifetime. Yeah, it does. Truly really learn everything behind that person, and as you learn one thing, it's going to change. It's like this. Remove it's always changing, it's never going to be <laughs> so. Once you get one part, it's moved over here, yeah. It is, it is, yeah. It's, it's, it's a moving thing, is it's a it's a uh, it's one of those things that you just have to keep up, and that's mm -hmm. why I say it's I say often it's, it's so exciting when you've been married to someone for, for many years because you're yeah. still learning about that. And how many years again for you? And for and for me, I'm about to celebrate 31 years with my wife, that's and um, 31. And years. I, I, I know I don't look it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's but it it and it has been yeah. it's been a great journey. And that journey has been a part of has been structured around me really learning her um and just learning all the nuances about her and then also backing off in the areas that I don't need to know about. That mm -hmm. she that you know, that's her that's her private space and that's that's who she is, that's what makes her up as an individual. And creation um, itself, man, being able yeah. to, to be individuals within a union, but then knowing how to come together and be collective within the union, right? Yeah, you, you don't have to be overly enmeshed. Yeah. Uh, you, can, you can certainly you can certainly have uh, uh, a lot of the connections, mm -hmm. but I don't have to be overly enmeshed in what she does and who she is because she's a, she's a, uh, her own individual, and I love she has that. her own autonomy. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and if you matter, and, and that's what me. makes and that's what makes marriage and the partner attractive, right? Like, oh my gosh, yeah. If they didn't have their own things within them that changed, then that would be boring. So we want our partner yeah. to be their own self, right? I know, I know, we're at time, and I want to, I want to give no, you okay. just to share. Um, how how can people contact you? We'll obviously put in the show notes as well. But if 
if um, someone wanted to reach out to you, what are some some easy ways they can get in contact with you, Leon? Well, one of the easiest ways is um, we're at, uh, you can catch me at Leon at lakesidepsychotherapy.com. That was Leon, L-E-O-N, at lakesidepsychotherapy.com. And um, and also by our, 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 our office number, and that is 704-286-2449. That was 704-286-2449. Um, again, that's... Um, That'll be if, if that's a great opportunity, great ways to kind of get in touch with me. And uh, also our website is uh, Lakeside Psychotherapy and Wellness, Lakeside Psychotherapy and Wellness. And it's the one that's in Charlotte, North Carolina. Nice. I think that's a, I think that might be one that's close to that in another part of the country. But it's the one here in beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina. Yes. Leon, I, I really appreciate it, man. We got to have you come back on. Um, Absolutely, man. This is great. Yeah. Arguments, fights, conflict styles. All of what we talked about is important. You know, most they are. people come into counseling. We would love as therapists if you know our large population were more preventative, but they're not. You know, our human nature is to be reactive, mm-hmm. uh, and, and fights and arguments are a, a, a primary source that lead a lot of couples into counseling. <laughs> so, um, yes, you know, definitely. I'm I'm really glad to have had you on the episode today. Uh, for those that have been tuning in. You've, you've listened to Marriage Underdogs Radio Show Podcast. I'm your host, Chris A. Matthews. We drop a new episode every Tuesday at 10 a.m. on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So I look forward to uh, bringing you another episode next Tuesday. All right. Thanks.